Good? All right. Well, welcome. Welcome, everybody, online. We're excited that you're here with us today. Um, we've got a full crowd, as full of a crowd as we're allowed to have on a given Sunday. I'm Kevin. I'm one of the pastors here, and I just want to make sure that I start off in prayer, give some announcements, and I'm going to hand it off to my boss here. So let's just pray. Pray for God's blessing this morning. Father, we thank you for who you are in the midst of everything that goes on in and around us. We're here today to worship you, to really just pay you the honor and glory that you so deserve. So today I pray that you would just be part of this time, that you would move in our hearts and our minds, that you would compel us towards you in so many ways. I pray that this morning would be a morning of encouragement, but also a morning of challenge, that Gus would truly be able to speak words to us that would uh, just resonate your heart, God. We would be able to worship as if we're in the throne room, and that we would be in your presence this morning. Whether we're here, in our living room, out back, wherever we are, Father, we know that you are our God. Pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. So really, I only have one big announcement, and the announcement is around kids' camp. Um, as many of you know, we have had to shift a little bit. We are doing kids' camp remotely, and so instead of doing our typical kids' camp and having the 300 kids show up in one location, we've pivoted, and we're now doing kids' camp at home. Uh, we're also, I know Mike is setting up to do a, a live worship in the back. We're going to do live worship in multiple places. The big deal is today is the last day to register. So if you've not registered, you need to register today. Um, they just need that because of just operational reasons, making sure we've got enough equipment and all the supplies and everything's in place. So if you've got kids and you've not registered, make sure you do that today. And you can find all that registration on hillsidecommunity.org in children's ministry. Just click there and you'll be able to see all the different ways and information around kids camp. But I'm gonna hand this off to Gus now. So one of the things that's uh, wonderful about a community is getting a chance to share life with people and they share life with other people. Uh, one of the difficulties of community is when those people you love leave for whatever reasons God has. And so Casey and Nicole have been just like amazing to be part of. Uh, obviously a lot of you know that with our youth and just relationships, but uh, it's like a sad day for me to know this is gonna, their last probably official, we'll see them again, but it's also what an amazing thing to send them out because I know wherever these two go, they're gonna just make a huge difference in people's lives. You know, and this is obviously kind of a unique time even with this because you guys know often when we have a situation like this, we'd have cake outside and everybody hanging, I mean, in the little sanctuary, we'd all go in the coffee shop and we'd have cake and have a say, chance to say goodbye. And, uh, so we wanted to do something, so we we're going to have some cupcakes in the back parking lot after the service, a little bit after the service, so just head out there and if you get a chance to say goodbye, your chance to say goodbye, but uh, just love you guys, we appreciate you so much. I think they might be the best looking couple that's leaving the church, right? <laughs> Nicole might be the cutest girl that's ever leaving the church, but I know I'm a little prejudiced, but... <laughs> so I, I did want to give you guys a chance if you wanted to share something, and then uh, Kevin's going to pray for you guys. Yeah, so I thought I would just share kind of our hearts and kind of a little bit of our story about this uh, process. Um, so Nicole and I feel like the Lord's really calling us to move to Indiana 
Um, and so we're moving there um, in July, in the middle of July. So um, this has been quite the process for us. Um, you know, uh, we've probably thought about this for, I would say, close to five years. Uh, just kind of always been on the radar, something that we would consider doing. And um, we never felt peace about it. We never wanted to, to move forward because we didn't feel good about it. And so um, I would say probably for the past three months or so, we've really kind of rekindled that desire and kind of um, just through prayer and a lot of, you know, thinking about it a lot and just uh, through, through the whole process, we've just kind of felt this crazy piece about it, which we can't really, under, can't really uh, explain, you know, and so, um, yeah, we just feel like, you know, for us, it's a new, new journey, a new, new experience, a uh, chance to, to grow as a couple and to kind of be in a new um, situation. So we're super sad to leave. It's like the most bittersweet thing ever. We love, we love Hillside. This has kind of been where, you know, I've been coming here for seven years, um, got married here. It's kind of been like our whole adult, you know, like Nicole and I, our whole relationship has kind of been, um, Hillside's been a part of it. So it's super, super tough to leave, but um, we're very excited to see what God has for us. And so Nicole's going to share as well, but just wanted to give you the backstory. Um, so I just wanted to say over the past few weeks, I've just been reflecting on Hillside and crazy I've been here for a little over 21 years and so I just wanted to say thank you to everyone who's just invested in me since I was since I've just been I've grown up here and I also wanted to just say um, thank you for investing in us as a couple and thank you to the leadership for one thing that stuck out was that you've always been committed to um, teaching the word and the truth and so I'm so thankful for that and so just it's just so thankful for all of you guys so like Casey said it's just it's so bittersweet to yeah to leave but knowing that we'll always be coming back and seeing you guys but thank you so much and we love you guys so much thanks guys so we have vacation homes in Indiana that's also a plus too um, for me this is this is really special because not only did I know Nicole since she was yay big and had the opportunity of watching her and with me and Trish just, just taking care of her at times, spending the night at our house. And that was a long time ago, but what a blessing. And then this, this guy ended up living in my basement for a while. So not only do I know him, I know him. And, and through that, was able to do uh, youth ministry with him. Uh, it's kind of fun to see because right behind them are the ones that the mantle has been passed to, to now be doing children's ministry. You're not allowed to leave. It's seven years, though, so sorry, you're stuck. Um, so that's kind of what I love about Hillside, is watching us, people that stick with it, that are in it, that learn it, all the way up to us, then being able to do premarital counseling together and really digging into what is important in marriage. And so for me, this is really hard to say goodbye, but I also know that um, God's going to use them in mighty ways to continue on the vision that we have here at this church and other places, but also for them to learn what it looks like differently because there's other churches out there that do things different than Hillside. I think it's going to be good for them to get that taste and that flavor so that they can continue to be more well-rounded and really move where God wants them to go. And I'm just thinking of the pastors in the church that are going to get you guys. Like, be careful telling them what you know too fast because I don't want you to get gobbled up too quickly. I want you to be able to enjoy this journey and this transition 
and to be able to not jump back into ministry too soon. But for me, this is a blessing. I just want us all, if you're here today, can you stand up, reach out your arms. If you're at home, you can reach out your arms. I just want to pray a blessing over these two. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the blessing that Casey and Nicole have been and will be. Father, we thank you that their hearts are so intertwined with yours. Their passion is so rooted in your love and your grace and your truth. Father, I thank you for the privilege that it's been to be able to walk with them, to see them grow, to see them mature, to see them figure out what life looks like, both individually, but then together. I thank you for the way that they struggle well. I thank you for their desire to honor and please you. Father, I do pray for this transition. I, I know that there'll be, there'll be bumps along the way and some, some aha moments. Father, be in the middle of all those things. Be in the middle of this, this transition so that they can truly see you, your vision for their lives. I pray for the Gill family and, and for Gus and Mich Michelle especially that are, I'm sure this is hard on their hearts too, um, but just more reason to travel to Indiana. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so Father, today we honor this couple. We're thankful for them. And we send them off with our blessing and pray that you would just continue to guide and shape who they are. It's in your name that we pray, Jesus. Amen. Good morning. Let's uh, stand and worship the Lord together.
of my mouth and the thoughts of my heart. Bless your name, bless your name, Jesus. And the deeds of the day, in the truth in my ways, speak of you, speak of you, Jesus. For this is what
I'm glad to do It's time to live a life of love that pleases you And I will give my all to you Surrender everything I have and follow you I will follow you God, I ask that our hearts will be open to the message we are to receive today. May you just speak through the message and through the worship, and may we all be drawn closer to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. will be sharing this morning. It's from Ephesians 4, uh, verses 25 through 32, and it says, Therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. And in your anger do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. And do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it might benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. And lastly, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God, he forgave you. Let's pray. Father God, we are so thankful for your word. God, we're thankful for your truth and how you change us. And God, I just know the conviction I felt in reading these scriptures this week. And God, the reminder that we can't remain stagnant. God, we're either moving towards goodness and truth and wholesome talk and peace and grace, or we're moving against it in fear, anxiety, and sin. So Holy Spirit, we just ask that the truth of your word today would bring change to our hearts. God, that you would spur us on, especially in these days that there's so much anger and so much fear. God, that we would be people that speak kindness and compassion. And as Gus has always told us, Lord, that if we really understood your gospel, we would never look down on anyone, Lord, but that we would have words of grace and truth and sometimes those words can bring conviction, Lord, but it, we know that it's your kindness that leads us to repentance. So, Lord, where we need conviction today over our tongues or uh, any unwholesome living in our lives, Lord, we ask for it, God, so that we can live um, as fully devoted followers of you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
Good morning. So good to see your faces. Oh my gosh, crazy. I am going to speak to you today about really a powerful testimony of God's grace is an encouraging tongue. And I, I was thinking about our community and uh, this is probably the most encouraging community I've ever been around. Just so many people, I just get it. And I was also thinking, it just so happened my nephew and my brother are here. My brother Steve uh, got here late last night. I was so thrilled they could be here. Steve is probably my greatest encourager. I mean, he's known me pretty much my entire life. Very few people do that. Very few people are that old to do that. But uh, he has just been this wonderful encourager, so it's just awesome that I'm speaking today on this. And many of you don't know that really before becoming a Christian, especially the last three years of my life before giving my life to Jesus, I mean, if you followed me around, pretty much every sentence included four-letter words, and those weren't the good four-letter words. But that was much more of my culture, the people that I was spending my time with. But what was much worse than that uh, was just like the slander that would come out of my mouth, the sarcasm, uh, how I could hurt people, and I could be a vicious person. Uh, just sad to think that, but uh, by God's grace, I was forgiven. And, and uh, really, unfortunately, in the first couple of years of my Christianity, I kind of learned this Christian sarcasm. And I remember there were times that I would be telling stories to people, and I'd be kind of just, you know, kind of hurting somebody and getting people to laugh, which is just really sad. And by the grace of God, again, I was confronted a few times with my tongue and... I remember realizing at one point that unless God changed my heart and my tongue, I would become this person that would just hurt people, kill people with my words. And I just didn't want to be that person. I remember one time just getting on my knees and saying, God, you've got to change this. You've got to change my heart. I don't want to be that person. I, I don't want to live that life. Because we've been around those people. They're unsafe, aren't they? There's some people in life who just seriously don't want to be around them because you don't know what they're going to say. That's who I was. Well, I made that decision about 40 years ago. And if I think about just one decision that made a huge difference practically in my life that I obeyed was this decision to use my words, by God's grace, to be an encourager. So let me ask you to bow your heads again. Let me ask God to bless our, our time. Father, we are so grateful that we have a gracious, forgiving, patient God. And as we come before you, Lord, we recognize even in our best days, we can so easily use our tongues, especially in some ways that we wish we wouldn't. And we're glad that you forgive us and you give us hope. And thank you that you give us the Holy Spirit to indwell us, God, the Holy Spirit, to direct us, to help us to be the people that you've called us to be. And that Jesus is our only hope. Lord, in a day when people are struggling so much, we have the hope of Jesus. And we just pray you'd help our tongues to even speak that more to people and that our actions would reflect that. And we just thank you, God, that you've given us your truth to, to encourage us to live more for him. So we pray your blessing on it in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe now more than ever, this season of time, 
do we need to be people that encourage others? I mean, we have the good news. We, we have the answer to the struggles. Because, you know, as much as we can try to make this thing work out, and, and I hope we can be part of it, and I think maybe in the church we can do some things with each other, what we have to offer is the only answer. And it's Jesus. He is the only answer. But we want to be people just in a practical level and give words of encouragement. And I think this passage gives us some practical ways to live that out. But to understand it, we need to understand it in context. We need to keep the book in context. The, the theme of the book of, of Ephesians is by the grace of God and for his glory. Walk in a manner worthy of your calling in Christ. Chapters 1 through 3 lay the foundation of God's grace for us, our identity, everything we have, our forgiveness, our adoption into God's family, God's kindness in our lives, every spiritual blessing, the fact that we're, our salvation is found. And then God, to, to make sure we know it's true, he gives us his Holy Spirit to indwell his children, all by the grace of God for God's glory. And then in, in the immediate context, in chapter 4, if you understand that, he says this, Therefore, and he, he's basically saying, if you understand everything that's been told you up till now, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. He's basically saying, okay, if you really get it, become people of grace in everything you do, everything you do. In fact, God has gifted us. He's given us gifts of the Spirit that we might be able to live that out. Listen to verse 7. It says, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. He didn't just ask us to live it out. He said, you know what, I'll gift, it, gift you that you might. But, but it's a choice to live by God's grace or not to. To trust him or not to trust him. He's even given us leaders, spiritual leaders, to equip and train us. Listen to verses 11 and 12. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the service, the building up of the body of Christ. Those that would train us up to help us understand truth better. Those would be models to us, examples that, that we might live out the faith more genuinely, trust God more. And you say, and what would be the result of that? Well, verse 24 and tw I mean, verses 14 and 15 here say this. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by the waves and carried away by every doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in all aspects to him who is the head, even Christ. I mean, as a result, we're, we're not going to be up and down. You know, when all this stuff comes at us, all this news is coming at us, all this stuff, it's just daily. We've got to know the truth. We, we, we can't just jump back and forth. We got, we've just got to stand strong on who we are. That's what maturity really is. And as we grow, we're the ones that are going to be able to speak truth into these circumstances. Interesting, after he just gets done saying this, he, he wants us to mature in the faith, he wants us to grow in the faith, he says, be careful you don't go back to your old lifestyle. 
because he understands that you can know the truth, but it's still a choice to accept it and believe it. So it says in verse 17, So this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you no longer walk as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind. Verse 24, And put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. He said, you know, even though you know the truth, even though you've been saved, you can easily go back to how you used to live. I mean, it's still our choice. See, we, when we live daily by God's grace, when we live daily by, he drastically changes us from the inside out. It's a, it's a drastic change. And he actually speaks about a, a couple examples here of how he changes our lives. Read verse 25. It says, Therefore, laying aside all falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. He says, Stop lying, because that's what your whole life was. Now, now be a person of truth. I mean, if you're living by God's grace, it's not going to be just you just get rid of the old problem. You're going to be a person that's going to be the opposite. You're going to be a person speaking truth. Verses 26 and 27. Be angry, and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And do not give the devil an opportunity. He says in the past you have anger. Guess what? You kind of get even with people. You take your shots at them, whatever it is. Now it's different. You've not only been saved from that. He's saying now be the person of the opposite. Reconcile with people. Like I said, one of the great principles of Scripture for a marriage is try to not go down angry with each other. Deal with it before you go to bed. See, we're, we're to be the opposite. Verse 28, He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with the one who has need. He says, you know, b- before, you know, you, you stole from me, you took everything from people. He says, now God has saved you from that. Be the person who cares for other people. Be the giver. Live an honest life. By God's grace. Then the Apostle Paul adds one other significant change, and I think it's a significant change. Maybe one of the most important changes that God wants to make in all of our lives is that our tongues would be changed to become encouraging tongues. That we would have tongues that would be transformed. And people would just hear what we say and go, boy, there's something different about that person. Read verses 29 and 30. It says, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word that is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, so that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. We're not to be those people that tear people down and criticize. We're to be people that would build people up, believe in people, that we'd have words, timely words, given by God to others that would change their lives, influence how they live. He says, so how do we live out, how do we live out these being testimonies of God's grace by having encouraging to well, well, Paul gives his readers two commands in this passage. One that's a negative and one that's a positive. One, what you shouldn't do, and one, what you should do and how you should do it. But don't miss it. Both of them are commands. Both are commands by God that we are to obey. 
First he says, it begins with what you do not say. It says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. Often the most encouraging thing you and I could do is just bite our tongue. We're ready to say something we shouldn't say. Isn't that true? It'd be better not to say anything. Keep silent. Proverbs 10, 19. It says, when there are many words... Transgression is unavoidable. But he who is wise restrains his lips. You get in the conversation, it's easy to go there. He just stops. Just restrain your lips. Unwholesome, it's a really interesting word in the Greek. Uh, Tinsdale, in his commentary, speaks on this word. He says, Now the apostle turns back to consider the Christian speech and conversation. Not only is to shun lying and all that is deceitful, but all bad language. The adjective used here in the Greek is sapros. Basically means rotten. Then he has derived a sense of worthless. It's talk that is rotten and that spreads rottenness. Like bad fruit worthless and leading others to think on the worthless. That's, that's what unwholesome words are. The writer of Proverbs describes people who spread these corrupt and rotten words as worthless with a perverse mouth. In fact, do you realize that our God hates when these kind of conversations take place? Proverbs chapter 6 says, A worthless person, a wicked man, is the one who walks with a perverse mouth who winks with his eyes, who signals with his feet, who points with his fingers, who with perversity in his heart continually devises evil, who spreads strife. Therefore his calamity will come suddenly and instantly will be broken and there will be no healing. There are six things which the Lord hates, yes, seven which are an abomination to him, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil, a false witness who utters lies, and one who spreads strife among brothers. Be careful, beloved. It's easy to go there, isn't it? See, don't, don't live like a worthless person. Rather, Build others up with your words that those words would be meaningful words, words of grace at timely moments for people. But only such a word that is good for edification according to the need of the moment that it may give grace to those who hear. That they just go and leave and go, wow, they think more of God than they would be. Maybe more of themselves. We don't know what God will do with those words. To believe in others, especially when people are struggling. You know what the crazy thing is? We often have no idea where people are at. We have no idea when those people are struggling or they're desperate. But God always knows. Isn't that interesting? So in regards to scripture, there's a passage that's always been maybe the most disturbing, convicting passage in Proverbs. I mean, for me personally, it's Proverbs 18.21. It says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life. And those who love it will eat its fruit. 
In the early 1990s, I'd, I'd be asked to, to welcome the new students at Colorado Christian University. And they'd say something like, well, just go up there and just, you know, share some thoughts and encourage them. Now, to some people, that would be an easy assignment. That was not for me at all. That was terrifying. I was overwhelmed. You know, you'd have you know, two, 300 people out there and the faculty and the staff, and then I'm just supposed to go up there and, oh, everybody's going to feel welcome, you know? And it would really bring within me just fear and insecurity. I mean, I would really would struggle. So I remember one day I'm walking across campus and I'm on my way to one of these orientations. And I'm really struggling that day because I remember I'm just like, oh my gosh, I remember having my sunglasses on while I'm going over because I'm thinking nobody can really see my eyes. Like, like that really matters, but that's what I was thinking. And, and then as I'm walking across campus, I look across and there's a gal, she's walking by herself. And I just feel the nudge of the Lord, and he says, go welcome this girl. And I, I mean, I really remember, I don't know how I said to the Lord, but I was like, don't you realize I'm struggling? <laughs> like, now you want me to go? I basically didn't, and then I felt the nudge again, and I don't know how many nudges, there wasn't too many nudges. And finally, I went across campus. I don't think the conversation was more than a few minutes. A year later, I'm teaching a class called Ministry and Discipleship, and this girl, her name was Carolyn, gets up to give a testimony of that day. She said she had been to another Christian campus just previous to that and been on the campus for a day or two, and nobody spoke to her the entire time. She said that day she got on campus at CCU, and she said, I started walking, and she said, I was talking to the Lord, and I said to him, I don't know if I can make it. If nobody talks to me today, I'm going I'm to take my life tonight. And then Professor Gill walks up and welcomes me, and I felt hope to go on. How can that be? Well, death and life are in the power of the tongue. That young gal would eventually meet her husband on campus. They ended up becoming missionaries in China. She had a sister that came to the campus because her sister, older sister's experience was so good. How can a few words make that much of a difference? Because, see, they're not our words. They're God's words given to us at that time, at that moment, that he knows and we don't. See, our words are so powerful, especially when we offer them in faith, when you trust them to the one who can make a difference with them. See, I believe in, and okay, this is Gus theology. This is we got to be careful. It's not necessarily biblical. It might have a little Bible on it, but it's got theology. I think most of us take about four or five sentences with us throughout our lives. I mean, it's like a recording in our hearts. So if someone in our lives, somebody key in our lives, whoever that key person could be a teacher or anybody, said we're ugly or we're cute, or if someone said we would never make anything of ourselves, or someone said that we're so smart, the sky's the limit, whatever those words are, it doesn't matter how old you are, Often, 40, 50 years ago, it might have been said to some of us, and they still determine a lot how we live our lives. Isn't that crazy? So what kind of person are you? What words are people carrying from you? Because it matters. And can I say, God didn't leave us alone in this. We can ask the Holy Spirit for help. In fact, Jesus prays a prayer in John 14 and 
I think it was one of the greatest prayers he ever prayed for us. He said, I'll ask the Father and he will give you a helper. That he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. See, he's the comforter. He's the encourager. And he's always with us. All we got to do is ask for help. I mean, really do. I, I, mean, I have a, a prayer that I write down in my prayer journal almost daily. Holy Spirit, go before me. Guide my conversations. Set up things that I would not know. If there are people that need to hear someone, just do what you can do. I don't I have no idea. And then second, we've got to believe that God is sovereign over our, even our conversations. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We have to believe that God even sovereignly can bring the conversations, the situations, and bring us right to him, and we have a chance to be part of God's work. We've got to believe that. A powerful testimony of God's grace is an encouraging time. I always thought, this is an interesting challenge, but if you'd have somebody just follow you around for a week or two, not knowing who, where they were or that they were with you, and they heard every conversation you had, how would they describe you? Would they describe you as a critical person? Somebody who's discouraging? Or a person of grace and words? whose tongue encourages others. Let me suggest a few questions and some thoughts to evaluate our lives. And, and some thoughts to help you encourage others with your tongues. You know, first in an evaluation, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. Are you in the habit of saying negative things about others? I mean, is that easy to do? Maybe you complain a lot. I mean, is that kind of what comes off your tongue? Maybe you're quick to gossip or slander others. Maybe you just don't believe your words make a difference. You've kind of given up that whole thing. You, could you realize those are all sinful behavior? That's sin. And we need to confess it because God doesn't want us to live there. It says this in 1 John chapter 1. It says if we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's a new day. You get a chance to start all over. Isn't that great to know? Ask God to change your heart. Today's the day of salvation. Second, is it your goal to use your words daily for God's glory? Is it your goal? That's something we can do. We can choose to do or choose not to do. I mean, somebody could choose to run five miles a day. That's a choice, isn't it? They get up, they know what time they're going to do it. So is our words. We have a choice. We can make it a goal or we can choose not to. If you're not intentional, let me tell you, often motivation doesn't give you a whole lot in your life. A lot of people are going to die a lot of good motivation. Unless there's some choices you make and you say, I'm going to be intentional about this, it often doesn't happen. So is it your goal? So you've got to believe that our words are, are, are there to edify, to bring glory to God every day. You have to believe that this is true. This isn't just some words we're throwing out there. 
and believe that your words can have incredible impact. It says in Proverbs 12, 25, anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down, but a good word can make it glad. Do you realize a word cannot just change a moment or even a day? It might, if Gus theology is right, it could change a lifetime. Do you realize a good word, if it's the good news, can change somebody for eternity? So be careful, by God's grace, be careful to pick your words out carefully. Proverbs 10, 21 says, The tongue of the righteous is as choice silver, and the heart of the wicked is worth little. The lips of the righteous feed many, many, but fools die for lack of understanding. I mean, are you feeding people with your words? Are you choosing them carefully? Pray for opportunities, and, and, I, and I would suggest today, do this today, be obedient to it. Write a list of people. Just write a list of people you can encourage in some way, whether it's an email or a text or a phone call. Write it out or a letter, something that you can make a difference in somebody's life. Don't ever underestimate the power of obedience. God honors that. Final thought of application. Are you speaking words of kindness and forgiveness to others? It says in verse 31, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. Those words, forgiveness, can cause people to repent wherever they're at. Kind words. It says in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, Do you think lightly of the riches of the kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? God's kindness leads us to repentance. He gets us in the midst of our worst sin, and it's then we choose. And can I just say this? That sometimes... People's words lead us to repentance, which I think is amazing. In my life, and so you guys have heard this story before, an 11-year-old, without even knowing it at the time, gave me encouraging words of grace at a pivotal, pivotal moment in my life. Words I will never forget. Let me give you just a little context as we close. So when we grew up, and Steve would know this as well as I did, we're only 11 months apart. Uh, we got up and it was common to have our dad cursing and screaming during the days. I was just, it was, it was almost kind of scary to come home because you just never knew it was going to happen. I think there was a lot of frustration. I think alcohol had to do with that, all kinds of things. But I thought when I became a dad, I remember becoming a dad, I, I just had a prayer and I just said, God, I, I did I want to discipline my children. I want to love my children, but I don't want to yell at my children. I mean, I don't want my anger to be caused to go some places that wouldn't be good. And, and I feel like God really honored that prayer, but there are obviously some times when you go off or you made mistakes. One time, I remember really clearly, my son Jim and I would have this kind of weekly time to hang out. It was our hangout night. That time, I think it was our Thursday nights, we'd go out, and I mean, we might play basketball, go out for ice cream, uh, whatever, go out for a meal. It was just our night to hang out. 
chance to just spend some time together. So we, it was a very committed time on both our behalves. It was that we set aside every week. And so one Thursday night, we were going to go hang out. I went to him and I said, so Jim, you know, what are we going to do tonight? So oh, I forgot that. I, I, my buddies were going to go skateboarding or something. I can't remember what the excuse was. I said, can we do it Friday night? I said, sure, we can do it Friday night. So Friday night comes around, Friday night gets back from school. Forgot again. Papa's unhappy at this point. I'm struggling with it. I'm like, man, this is our committed time. Well, Dad, we'll do it Saturday. We get to Saturday, and guess what? He forgot again. He had a sleepover or something. So Sunday morning, after church, this godly morning, we're driving back from church with his best buddy in the car. And I said, well, we're going to hang out this afternoon. He forgot again. And before you know it, I just said some things. I just couldn't believe I said. And I sure didn't say it in a happy way. And the thing that really was bothersome to me was not just that I said it, but I said it in front of a friend, too. It would be one thing to say it to him face to face, which would still have been wrong, but to say it. I remember getting back to our house so clearly, I remember going into my bedroom, and I just was so down. I was just like, oh, God, what, why would I do that? How, what kind of person says those things? Who does that? I remember I walked out of the room, and I was going through the hallway really discouraged, and I looked into my daughter's room, who was Heidi's room, and I saw this piece of paper on her desk. Still got it to this day. And she had written this up. She was going to send it to the newspaper. It's called My Dad. So let me read it to you. So my dad's name is Michael Gill, but they call him Gus. He works at Colorado Christian University. He is very special to me. My dad is so, so, so important to me. My dad loves me a lot. The relationship between me and my dad is, of course, he's my dad and I'm his daughter. We both have a great love for each other. Every once in a while, he takes me to his work. Like I said, he loves me a lot. He likes to play basketball with the students. My dad deserves the best dad in the universe. <laughs> can, can you imagine that moment? God had arranged that moment. See, he's no respecter of age. It doesn't matter if we're 5 or 10. It doesn't matter if we're 15 or 50. It's really a choice. Will we be people that share words of grace with others? Will we allow God to transform our tongues and be those people that give life to others? That's a choice. Let's pray together. Father God, we just are so grateful that you are with us. We are grateful that our Lord Jesus said he would never leave us or forsake us. Lord, even in the best and worst of times, we have a God that cares and one that wants to use us. Lord, I just pray for each of us. Maybe today you give each of us a word for somebody that really needs it. Maybe somebody we wouldn't even know. And that we would genuinely and sincerely give them words of grace at a timely moment. And Lord, we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would be part of that. That you would help us to see, to hear, to feel, to be sensitive to what you're doing in our lives and through us. And God, we just pray that your word would just really change us. God, I know that if just those who are sitting here today in this 
sanctuary would, would commit to this. We can change the world with our words. That's how powerful it is when we entrust them to you. So we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Give you my life, I give you my trust, Jesus. You are my God, you are enough, Jesus.
we give you everything take our words take our hands and be glorified God we surrender it all to you all for your glory
Um, so, for the service today, Gus was talking a lot about um, just encouraging others with our words. And I felt like um, the Holy Spirit put on my heart to sing uh, a song called The Blessing. I don't know if you guys have heard it, but we have done it before. But uh, specifically, I felt like God was asking us as a congregation as well as online at our homes to sing this song over um, Nicole and Casey as they go out. And uh, yeah, that we can just kind of apply what we're learning here today about encouraging others and building others up, that we can do this for Nicole and Casey, that we can sing this song over them. Um, but I just want to say too that Nicole and Casey, I love you guys. and um, I don't know if I've ever let you know how grateful I truly am for all that you've done here at Hillside. You've done so much, but specifically in the youth group. Um, I know there's kids in this room that are forever changed because of you guys. And you gave Ali and I an example that we've been following even um, just unintentionally. You guys started youth ministry together. You got married while being youth leaders and that's what Ali and I have done now. So I hope that we can continue to kind of follow your guys' example. So thank you guys. Let's sing this song over, over them.
your children and their children and their children. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and your children and their children. that and we pray that for Nicole and Casey in Jesus name amen amen um yeah have a great week guys <laughs>